Hello and welcome to my Love Letter Time Machine, where we are serialising over 200 love letters from the 1880s belonging to Janie and Fred and taking a look at Victorian history through their eyes. I'm Ingrid Birchall Hughes and I just happen to be their great-great-granddaughter. Travel 140 years back in time with me now, where today it looks like Fred might have to find new lodgings and we get Janie's report of a coal miner's fight outside the Cross Keys, which resulted in the assault of a police officer. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of season three of My Love Letter Time Machine. To recap, last time we had a Q&A bonus episode. Thank you so much again for all your fabulous questions. And the time before that, we ended season two on the occasion of Fred using his Easter break to travel back to Sheffield. Having had to work on the Good Friday, he'd travelled up on the Saturday, where he would have finally been reunited after many months with Janie. They'd planned a trip to Matlock for the Easter Monday, and Tuesday they intended to visit Fred's friend, John Mies. But whatever else happened is down to speculation and what tiny fragments of details appear in the next letters, from the looks of which it seems that Fred has had his customary travel anxiety and Janie shed a few tears when she saw him off on the train back to Middlesbrough on the Wednesday morning. Exchange, Middlesbrough, the North Eastern Steel Company Limited, April the 12th, 1882. My own darling wife. I arrived here all safe, love, at about three o'clock this afternoon. I thought how nice and enjoyable the journey would be, if only I could do it with you. But it is very different coming alone, for although I know almost all the places on the route, when the heart is sad and lonely, there is not much pleasure. I hope you got home all safe, my darling. I was so sorry to have to leave you, love, without seeing you safe onto your train. You must write a line, wifey, and let me know that you are safe at home. I am very anxious to know. Oh, my darling, I do feel lonely without you. I felt as I was coming that I could have wished Middlesbrough had never been, rather than be away from my wife, and then I thought it was to make you my wife sooner that I came here. I am afraid I am not very brave, darling, after all. Perhaps I feel rather low with not having much to eat. I have nothing but those few biscuits. I could not eat anything at York, and at Thursk I had not time. And the other place is the same. It is now 7.45. I think I shall go home for tea. Mr Cooper seemed quite pleased to see me, and did not say anything about missing the first train. My darling wife, I love you more than ever, and shall always remain your loving, true, and faithful husband, Fred. P.S. Let me know how you are, love, by return, if only two lines. I hope your John will not be vexed at my touching his pipe. You must apologise for me, love. Hansworth, April 13th, 1882. My own darling husband, I am glad you arrived all safe. 
The journey would have been more enjoyable if we had been together, love, then we should not have been either sad or lonely. I caught a train at seven minutes to ten. I had not long to wait. I felt leaving you more than ever this time. I love you so much, my darling. I could not help a few tears coming to the surface. But I will try and be brave until Whitsuntide, though it is so hard to be parted, darling. But the parting is to bring us together sooner. For life. So we will both try to be brave. I called at your house to tell them that you had got off. They were washing. I am sorry, love, that you could not eat anything at York. You would feel low. I hope you're all right now, darling, and that the sickness has gone off. I wonder what it is that makes you feel so. You are nearly always like that when you come to Sheffield. I think this time it must have been with the running about so much. It was really hard work for you, love. We must have a quieter time at Whitsuntide. Emma Gill came up last night to invite me to Joe's loosing for tonight. Could not very well refuse, or I think I should have done. I do not care much about going anywhere, darling, without you. It is so slow. I felt rather tired yesterday. I had a short nap in the chair. I went to bed at ten. Did you go early, love? I feel right today. Our John was not vexed about the pipe. He said you might have had it, but it was a present. I mean to keep. I have not time for more now. My darling husband, I love you more than ever, and will always remain. Your loving, true, and faithful wife, Janie. Joe Gill's loosing, Janie refers to, could be one of two things. He's either completed his apprenticeship and has now moved on to full pay, or loosing could be a Yorkshire dialect word for somebody's 21st birthday. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, April the 13th, 1882. My own darling wife, I am sorry but could not write for tomorrow, love but this morning was the only part of the day which I have the smallest particle of time, as I have not time to go out and get a card for you. This afternoon we have been very busy until after eight o'clock tonight, and then it was too late. My darling wife, I wish you many, many very happy returns for tomorrow, which I sincerely hope will be spent with me, love, as my darling wife. I also hope that tomorrow will be a happy birthday, because it will be the last one, you will see at home, darling. Is the pain in your side better, wifey? I hope it is. I regret very much that you suffer in that way for my sake, but I will endeavour as your husband to prove to you the reality of my love for you by my loving care and attention to your welfare till death us depart, my wife. I do miss you, love. So much, love. After being with you for three short days, I feel as though I was short of something. I spoke to Mr. Cooper yesterday about having some more assistance. We have too much work for three, and I have not time to look after the real work except the correspondence, which I want to get out of before we are married, because then I should be able to get off every night at a reasonable time, but I shall not want to work late when my wife is waiting tea for me. I have heard today that Mrs. Gordon is going to give up the house. If she does, I shall have to find fresh lodgings. I hope she will not give it up before September, and then it will not matter, for I shall have found fresh lodgings then, in the house of ours, my darling, where I shall be sure of the sympathy and comfort which I like, and which nobody will be able to give me better than you, wifey. Has the usual monthly come off, or shall I make up my mind to our wedding coming off before September? I feel sometimes, but for your sake, 
I would have you here at once under any circumstances. April the 14th, 1882. Received your loving letter this morning, darling. I am very glad to hear that you got home safe, love, and that you had not to wait long. I expected the tears would come on, my darling. I know how much you love me, and how much you feel the parting from your dear loving husband. We will, my darling, keep a brave heart, even though we are parted, but it will not be for long now, wifey. I think the reason I felt so sick and could not eat anything was due to the excitement of coming home, for I looked so anxiously forward to it, love, and also to the additional excitement we have to get to the house. But I don't know that the latter, under ordinary circumstances, would affect me, as I was all right on Sunday and Monday morning. It was on Tuesday and Wednesday morning after our outdoor connection that I felt bad, and can only lay it to that. But of course, I'm not sure it was so. Except in that way, I am not aware of any other effect, and feel quite all right now. Are you better, my darling? We will, as you say, have a quieter time at Whitsuntide, love. I hope you enjoyed the party last night, love. I thought they would have had it on Monday and you might have been able to get out of it. I am pleased that you got to bed early on Wednesday night, love. I'm afraid I kept you up after your usual time. I did not go so early as you, but intend going to bed regularly at 10.30, as our landlady has brought us the gas bill to pay. I enclose a small birthday card, which is not very valuable, but will not, I know, be less acceptable on that account and remain your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. As well as the letters, I have a bundle of Janie's papers. There are receipts, a few letters from other people, memorial cards, dance and banqueting cards, and a small selection of birthday cards. They are not like the birthday cards that we're familiar with, but are mostly single-sided on heavy card. Some are small, just a little bigger than the average modern business card, and some are larger, roughly postcard size. They are mostly floral in design, although there is a rather intriguing one with an arrangement of seaweed, coral and shells. They have rather modest messages that simply read birthday wishes or wishing you many happy returns of the day. They are completely clean of any handwritten messages. It appears that writing on the card itself possibly wasn't usual. Given that Janie kept all of Fred's letters, I have a hunch some of these cards might be from their courtship. It was around the 1860s that the mass production of greetings cards started to take off, and during the 1880s and 90s, apparently known as the golden age of the greetings card, often included designs created by many 19th century artists and illustrators, including Kate Greenaway, Walter Crane and Beatrix Potter. I don't think any of Janie's cards are that iconic, but they are pretty nevertheless. I'll put some pictures up on the My Love Letter Time Machine Instagram so that you can look at them. We are missing the intervening letter from Janie, apparently a short one on account of some village drama that brewed up outside the cross keys in the street, but we'll have to wait until after this next letter from Fred to get to the details. By the way, if you're not sure, the game of consequences he mentions, is an old comedy parlour game. It's a little bit like the American game Mad Libs. People write lines on a sheet of paper, fold over what they've written before passing it on to the next person. At the end of the game, the stories are read out. 21 Church Street, Middlesbrough, April 16th, 1882. 
my own darling wife. I received your kind letter this morning. I am sorry you were disappointed at not receiving one from me on Friday. You must forgive my neglect, darling. I am pleased you like the card. I hope the fact of it being an inexpensive one was not any objection, love, was it? I am glad to hear that you enjoyed Dogil's party. I wish I could have been there. It would have been a gathering of old friends. I am afraid I rather neglected Tommy Hughes at Easter, but what else could I do? Did you lose much at cards? Don't you think Tommy Hughes is a good player? Do you remember any of the results of the Game of Consequences? I am glad to hear the pain in your side is gone, darling. I was afraid it might be something serious. You can always rely, my darling, upon my loving you, with all my heart. I know that you have not known much love at home, wifey, but we will have real love at our home, darling. I am glad to hear that you love me all the same. If we have to get married in a hurry, I never doubted it for a moment, my darling. I am sorry that the usual monthly has not come off yet, love, but will not despair, even if it does not. I am pleased to hear that you think my suggestion a good one about taking apartments at first. But of course, if there is a better way, I should be glad to hear it, though I should very much like to bring you here with everything ready for you, because it is hard work fixing furniture, and I should like you to be spared all that, but I don't see how it can be managed. I have not heard anything more of Mrs Gordon's leaving, but I think if there's not an alteration here, I shall leave. I don't know whether she wants to get rid of us, but she has shown a great want of attention since Easter, and I do like a little consideration, even in lodgings. I think I mentioned to you about her wanting us to pay the gas bill. Of course, I don't mind assisting her to pay it, but on principle I object to paying for extras after you pay a certain sum every week that is supposed to clear everything. I expect if we pay this, she will want us to pay others afterwards, and so get into a very bad habit. But it is no use making trouble beforehand, because there are other places even if this is not suitable. I am sorry the colliers kicked up a row, for it debarred me from a longer letter. But I mustn't grumble, because I know, my darling, you give me a long one when you can anyway. It is not often you have any rows at your house, love, I think, is it? Did you have to fetch the policeman? It was very slow here yesterday, with no footballing going on. I don't know whether I shall go to the cricket club here or not. They have asked me to do so, but I think I should not get to play every match. That is not what I have been used to. It is very dull and cold here today. Only five more of these Sundays, love, and then one with you. We must not go on an excursion at Whitsuntide, love, I think, because with the railway fare it comes very expensive. But of course, I will leave that to you. I've just remembered that you forgot to brush my pin. Will you make sure you do that at Whitsuntide, love? I wish I were going to church tonight with you, darling. I remain your loving, true and faithful husband, Fred. Hansworth, April the 17th, 1882. Excuse the smears, I turned over before it was dry. My own darling husband. The usual monthly came on this last night. I felt very sick this morning, but I'm now getting over it nicely. I received your letter this morning, darling, with great pleasure. They always cheer me up. The fact of the birthday card being an inexpensive one does not make it any the less acceptable, love, 
It is not the price of the gift which makes it valuable. It is the spirit in which it is given, and for which I prize it, darling, and anything you give me, my husband. I wish you could have been at Joe Gill's party. You would have seen your old friends, as you could not manage to see them much at Easter, love. We shall have to manage better at Whitsuntide. We shall not have so much running about. I am quite agreeable not to go for an excursion at all, for it is expensive for you, and I know you want to save your money for me, don't you, love? Kelsey was very quiet. I think he's not usually so, is he? I did not lose anything at cards. I left my purse down at the Wellington, so I had nothing. David Craven gave me an apney, and I won threepence to it, and left it on Gill's mantelpiece for the benefit of the children. I think Tom Hughes is a very good player. I can only remember one bit of the consequences. It was Miss Gill and Blind George met in a pigsty. I can't remember the rest of it, but some of them were very good. I am glad, love, that we shall not have to get married in haste. It will be better to have a good start if we can. We must not have any more outdoor connection. It does not agree with you. I am glad you are all right now, darling. Our Emma has had a gathering in her face since Tuesday, so she has had to lay in bed nearly all the time. Do you think it is really necessary? I know they are nasty, painful things, but she does make everything worse by sitting around brooding over them. I don't know how the children would get on if they were not here, and she alone had to manage for them. It burst yesterday, and her first arrival downstairs today was five o'clock. I went down to Miss Mills yesterday. I did not get there until half past five. Mother had gone upstairs to have a nap. Our Emma, of course, was there, and father not very well. Kate and our John was out, so I thought I had better stop and get the tea ready before I went. I should have stopped at home, but I had promised them I would go so many times, I did not like to disappoint them again. I was longing for you, darling, as I wended down. It was a nice afternoon, but rather cold. We have had such glorious walks in that direction, haven't we, love? I wish I could have spent the Sunday with you, but it could not be so, darling. I must make the best of it. We shall spend some happy Sundays together when your wifey is with you. I will try to, husband, if it is possible. John Wortley, Annie Mills, Annie Wortley, Sarah J. Mills and I went to Woodhouse Church. The service has not improved since I was there. One fellow had a horrid voice. I thought he was playing with a comb and a tissue paper. And they gabble everything. You can't keep up to them. We came back again to Woodhouse Mill and they were going to see me home. But just as we were ready out... John and Hugh Brownhill came in. Uh, John had one of his nasty headaches, so he came out to see if it would do him any good. We got home just at ten. Mother has bought two such pretty gilt and white water jugs and a cream jug to match my set for me. We shall be quite set up in the crockery ware soon, shan't we, love? About taking apartments, darling, at first. I know you are a dear and a thoughtful husband and would like to have everything ready for me and would like to spare me all the trouble and hard work, but I think it will be such a pleasure to get our home ready, love. I don't want it to be all ready for me. I want us to be together when we buy the furniture so that we can both use our tastes and then I know it will be all right. So, darling, if nothing better turns up, I think that will be the best plan, don't you? I am sorry, love, that they are showing a want of attention to your comfort at your lodgings. I wonder what is the reason. It is a queer idea to want you to pay the gas bill. I suppose the hours you keep are too late for her, but I think it is hardly fair when you pay her your board. It is supposed to cover all that. I should certainly get fresh ones if you are not comfortable, darling. She's never been like that before, has she, love? 
I was sorry the colliers did kick up a row on Saturday, because I intended giving you a nice long one. I did not like to disappoint you, but couldn't help it. The row was not at our house, it was next door, but they had gone out of ours to there. We never had such a row in Handsworth before. They began first to wrestle in the house, so the landlord turned them out, and then they were having it out of the road. They were kicking and biting one another, so the policeman was sent for. He came running down to see what was the matter and asked them to go quietly away, but they would not. Then one of them got between the policeman's legs and sent him on the ground and began punching him and hurt his hand. There were three of them on top of him, but he was not long on the ground, and when he got up, they knew he had used his stick properly about them then. When that wouldn't do, he got out his stuff, but they didn't want any of that. He called then on three men to help take them to Woodhouse. Case will come on tomorrow. Your loving, true and faithful wife, Janie. I think we can assume from this that Janie effectively had a ringside view of the fight, along with, I imagine, everyone else in the vicinity, watching the drama unfold in the street. When Janie says next door, she means the old crown, which was and still is the pub next door. On Wednesday the 19th of April 1882, the Sheffield Independent had this to say. Assaulting a police constable. Walter Booth and John Cashmore Colliers, the former of Handsworth and the latter of Darnell, admitted a charge of being drunk and disorderly on the highway at Handsworth on the 15th, and one also of assaulting police constable Fantling at the same time and place. Charles Jones, a collier living at Darnell, denied a charge of being drunk and disorderly. The constable, owing to information received, went to near the Old Crown Inn on the evening of the day named and found the three men drunk and fighting. He told Booth and Cashmore to go home quietly, but Booth struck him and Cashmore tripped him to the ground. While down, the constable was kicked by both Cashmore and Booth and his uniform was damaged to the extent of 15 shillings and sixpence. His cries for assistance were responded to and he was enabled to lock the two men up. The bench fined Booth and Cashmore each two pounds and costs and Jones two shillings and sixpence and costs. Thank you for listening to my love letter time machine. Next time, Fred tries to nail down a date for their wedding and Janie's father, James, is suddenly taken ill. Until then, you can find me sharing excerpts of Fred and Janie's letters on Instagram at my love letter time machine, all one word. As always, it would be great if you would click on the ratings, leave a review, or share the podcast with someone you think might enjoy it. And you can write to me at my love letter time machine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care. <laughs>